tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I kind of lost track myself. But being this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Hey, so... Have you ever gone back and like rewatched something that you really enjoyed, but then when you rewatch it, you're kind of like, actually, I don't think I like this that much. Ooh, um, I mean, I'm sure I have. I I can't really think of anything off the top of my head that that's happened with though, or at least not recently. But I'm I'm more than positive I've definitely done that. So that's or that, it. like, I've watched stuff and been like, yeah, this this doesn't hold up. <laughs> and see, and I'm not even talking about, like, like after, like, a couple years. Uh, I, so, okay, basically what happened is, like, yesterday or two days ago, uh-huh. I went and rewatched uh, Baby Driver. And I think we talked about that on this podcast. I'm not sure, though. But uh, I... I think know, we did. I You know, I really enjoyed it when I saw it. I really thought... I mean, I, I, and I think I still like it for the reasons that I liked it then, because I remember talking about it and saying like the story doesn't really hold up at all. But I, when I rewatched it this time, and you know, I, I, I'm sitting there, I still like the direction and like the the some of the car scenes, and then like some mm-hmm. like especially the you know the stuff that, ha- that has to do with the music and like and in, in having it integrated with the movie. But like I. I felt like there's so much about this story that just blew like so many things like uh, some of the acting was just so bad and like uh, it seemed like so I know you know what this is and I hope uh, our listeners know what it is but the Chekhov's gun like trope or mm-hmm. rule I guess is the better way of putting it uh, if you do you want to explain that real quick. Um, I mean, go for it. I think you're already progressing in the story here. So, so Chekhov's guns is all about like I, I guess it comes from a play, uh, and the idea is that if you show a gun in the first act, by the third act you have to use that gun. Otherwise, yes. it's, it's pointless. I mean, that's a pretty common ideology of screenwriting or foreshadowing, right? You know what I mean. And I felt like there's a lot of Chekhov's guns without actually being guns in that movie. Because there's a lot of things that are brought up that just never pay off. Yeah, I I could see that. And I feel a lot like that was more designed to be kind of red herrings or MacGuffins, as, you know, it is sometimes called. But, um, yeah, I mean, I could see that. I mean, they definitely set some things up that that you think it's going to go one way and then it doesn't, you know. Yeah, and and I, yeah, I remember we talked about that specifically. Like we talked about how Kevin Spacey's character is is com- like com- makes a complete like one eighty by the time the movie's over. Like not even like by the time, just like instantly like in a scene. Yeah, he just changes, and then uh, you know other character uh, other characters like John Hamm's character also you know compl- does like. It doesn't go in the exact direction you you would think, and that's understandable, I guess, to an extent. But uh, I don't know. There's there's some other things, that, and I, I wish I had written it down when I was watching it this time again. But I was like sitting there watching it, and 
it pops up and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. How come nothing happens with that by the end of the movie? And it just, it, it threw me. I'm like, I, I really like Edgar Wright. Like just about every movie he's done, I think I enjoy. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just really wish that that movie had been better. I mean, I think there's that situation behind it. And then I think the other problem you have with Baby Driver as well is that it's a movie that came out and then everyone was hyping it and continued to hype it even after it came out. And so I think you're you're also going to run into like, well, I'm trying to think of another movie that this might have happened. Well, Star Wars was a good example of this, right? Like the first time you watch it, it's it's just magical and it's magical because it is star wars and so then you're in the theater the first time and you're buying into everything that's happening you're not really paying attention for any you know plot holes or anything like that that might detract from the overall magic of star wars however when you watch it you know maybe the second or third time the analytical part of your brain starts to really kick in and you're like, well, wait a second. Like this stuff just doesn't really make sense. And I think that's kind of what happened with baby driver too, is that you got into a situation of where you're going into the movie. There's a lot of hype behind it. You have a lot of hype behind it because you're an Edgar Wright fan and you're a fan of his other movies. And so I think the first time you watch it, you're just pulled into the story and you're not really paying that much attention to like, problematic situations that can arise based on other beliefs of, of movies or, you know, other experiences that have played out one way. And so you get to baby driver. And I think that's maybe what happened to you is the second time you started watching it there, you were being a lot more analytical of the film and you started really picking up on the fact that there's a lot of these events that are seemingly lacking a payoff somewhere in the script and that's either intentional and it seems to happen so much in baby driver that it does feel intentional versus kind of like a contrivance so to speak Mm -hmm. but it does i mean i could i could totally understand where you're coming from i mean i still love the movie i thought it was great but i mean i also i watched it i think twice in theaters and yeah i saw it twice in theaters too i haven't I haven't really been motivated to go back and watch it again, you know? Yeah. No. And, and I, I, you know, I just, I just felt like I needed to bring that up I, for whatever reason, just cause I watched it again recently and I was just like, Oh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is about this movie. Like, I did feel you have like any other movies recently that that happened to you with recently? Um, I, can't. I know that it happens a lot, right. With like, films from your childhood yeah and i think it makes even more sense then because obviously people change they their outlook on life changes their perception and interpretation of things all different and then you know just the overall quality of the film and how well it holds up over time can also be drastically different so uh, i think it's interesting that you're talking more to the effect of like a few months. recent recent films yeah yeah, and that's and that's I mean I guess that's what I was kind of get more at because yeah and I understand that like even if if it's a movie from your childhood you kind of see you kind of see it in like 
rose tinted glasses, I guess a way to put it because sure. you have that, you have that nostalgic feeling when you're watching it again and you're like, Oh yeah, you know, that it was something that was great in my childhood. But then you, you still, there are still a lot of movies that you're like, Oh, I don't know. I can't understand why I thought this was a good movie. You know, this is obviously yeah. terrible, but uh, well, that can be a double-edged sword too, right? Because if you have that certain element of nostalgia in your mind and then you watch the movie again as an adult and you haven't seen it in a really long time and it doesn't reverberate those same nostalgic feelings that you thought you would have, that could actually be the motivation behind you being like, yeah, I don't, this movie's garbage or, or maybe not garbage. That's a bit harsh, but like, it could be the situation of where you're like, yeah, I definitely do not like this movie as much as I did when I was a kid or it doesn't hold up in terms of those elements. And that could be a, a motivation or a reason for that. Yeah, no, exactly. I in, I completely agree. I just think that uh, as for something that's so recent, like you brought up, or like you said, I, I can't think of anything else that I would just like, oh, I watched it and I thought, oh, this was, this was really good. But now I watch it and I'm like, oh, what was I thinking? Like, I'm not saying that I, I think the movie is any worse. I just think right. that, that it has a lot, it has a lot more problems. Yeah, and I think I think that totally makes sense because I think you're also going to allow your mind to wander a little bit more and be a little bit more critical of the movie the more times you see it because you're, you know, especially if it's a film that you maybe were kind of on the fence about as mm -hmm. to whether or not you liked it. You know, I think that could certainly by the time you go back and watch it a second time, you could either be swayed one way or the other because you could be looking for things differently or rather at things differently. And that could totally contribute to kind of what you're experiencing. You know, let me ask you this uh, before we move mm -hmm. on to the, what we wanted to talk about. Uh, have you ever had it go the other way where you, you watched it the first time and you didn't like it and then you watched it again and you're like, well, actually this is actually pretty good. Um, yes, I know. I know I have. Um, I'm trying to think of an example of what that would be, though. Um, I, you know, I'm trying to think of an example as well. Uh, I know it's happened. It has I know, to have I know happened, for yeah. a fact I've changed my mind on films. I'm oh, just trying I, to think of one. I know one specifically that, and this is one that you and me, or you and I, got into a, a big discussion about back when it first came out. It's uh -oh. uh, it's uh <laughs> the Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions. Um, oh, okay. You know, I, when I first watched it, I think I was in the I was in the majority of most people and were just like, "What? What did we just watch? This is not. This wasn't good." And you yes. you sat there and you tried to convince me that it actually is good, and I got so heated about it. I did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but I've gone back and rewatched those movies since then. I'm like, you know what? These do these are actually really good movies. They're they're actually I I really feel like I was blinded by the fact that of my i guess love for the first one and sure. i wanted more of that but obviously the wachowskis at that time had a different had a story they wanted to tell and it didn't re it didn't involve retelling the matrix you know they were like no there's this whole other world that we want to we want to tell you about and show you and i feel like n nobody was ready for that other than you apparently you were the only woke one <laughs> <laughs> i was the chosen one <laughs> yeah well, you know, I and and I agree, and I I think I was, if I remember that conversation correctly, I think I was also completely unapologetic in my 
empathy for why people might not like it. And, you know, I still love all of them and I will stand up for them. But I do think I'm a lot more, especially now, like I haven't watched them in quite a while, so I should actually go back and watch them again. But I can I can kind of understand people's animosity towards the films a little bit better now. And I think there is things they could have done. Like, I think the biggest one is in the the third one, like the 23-minute orgy zion sex scene well that's in the, like, i think that's that in the second could have one. been altered down significantly and it wouldn't have had a dramatic impact on how the movie plays out so i mean i think there are things they could do to tighten it up but but yeah overall i think i think that is kind of the the premise or not the premise but kind of the misconception as to what happened with those films is that everyone was well, like, okay, you recently, if I'm not mistaken, watched the sequel to The King's Men of Secret Service, right? Correct. The Golden Circle? hmm Now, that is a movie that when you watch it, it is very, at least in my opinion, very much the same as the first one. Yeah, um, I, I will... Almost to a fault, Well, right? I wouldn't say to a fault. I would say yes, you're right. I said almost. Right, I, I understand, and I, I still think that's a little extreme, but I think, uh, yes, it does hit a lot of the same story plot points and uh, a lot of the same beats as the first one. Yeah, and and I did, I enjoyed it. I, I'm not saying I did not enjoy that movie. I'm just saying I think that for a lot of people that had criticism about the film it seemed to be that it was too close of a, of a replication of the first one versus an expansion Mm -hmm. of those. And so I I think that that's what a lot of people originally were anticipating with the matrix. And uh, you're right. Like that is definitely not the situation at all. Each one of those films is a very different movie. Um, There is some elements that make it matrix esque, but for the most part, they are kind of their own thing as well, you know, which is difficult to keep people coming back and buying into those things. And um, I think maybe there's – well, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like there's a, a better understanding of that not being the case now that people have kind of had the ability to go back and watch those movies without – those preconceived expectations or, you know, they've already had those expectations and it didn't meet it. So now they can be a little bit more open to the idea of those films being different, but they still, I understand why there's a lot of people that still have issues with them. Okay. Fair enough. So, uh, I think if you need, you need to go back and rewatch those, those three movies, I think that's a, that's a, uh, a meeting on rabbit.tv. Oh, very nice. That needs yeah. to happen. Yeah. It's actually, because it, it kept messing with me, too. It's actually R-A-B-B dot I-T. So it's ah. rab dot it. But I thought it was rabbit dot TV for the longest time, and that's what I was calling it. But I looked at it again the other day, and it's actually uh, rab dot it. So super weird website address. Wait, dot it or dot TV? R-I-B-B-I no, no, dot TV. Yeah. No, no, no. It's just R-A-B-B dot I-T. Oh, okay. There's no like dot com or dot TV or net or any of that. Like the dot is the I-T. Ah, okay. Well, that's that interesting. Yeah. Um, But 
yeah, I think you you know maybe some someday soon you should set that up for all of us to watch the Matrix with you. Yeah, we could definitely make that happen. Right. Um, I'm actually trying to plan a uh, Halloween uh, horror film fest on on Rabbit. So yeah, so that'll be fun. Uh, so do you think? And this kind of goes into what we were going, uh, we're, we kind of were planning to talk about tonight. Uh, Baby Driver, with its unique uh, soundtrack score editing, uh, it will get any Oscar nominations, like specifically for editing. Mm, that's a tough call. I mean, it is one of the few original screenplays for the year. It is. I could. I could potentially see it getting it for that. But. But again, I, it's still really early to tell because we're just now, kind of coming into Oscar season. Right. We are, and that. You know? And that's kind of what we we're to talk. I wanted to talk about tonight was. Is that this is this is October. We just came into October. It's kind of it's the holiday season. It's traditionally known as the Oscar season, uh, Oscar film season. Um, Usually, you know, that means uh, a lot of movies based on true stories and uh, biopics and, uh, you know, uh, military stories, uh, you know, just just to name some things. So I wanted to see, you know, of some of the trailers that have already come out for Oscar season, Oscar bait season, uh, mm-hmm. what, what you and I both thought about them. Okay. So... First thing I saw was Roman J. Israel Esquire comes out November 3rd, 2017, starring Denzel Washington and directed by Dan Gilroy. Do you are you familiar with Dan Gilroy? Yes, he I believe was the director of uh Real Steel. I think he did Nightcrawler. And well, he directed I... Nightcrawler and wrote right. Nightcrawler, but Real Steel he only wrote. Okay, and then I think he was also the writer of The Bourne Legacy and Kong Skull Island, I think, were some of his other movies. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's got a he's got quite the career for for writing. He, Free Jack back in nineteen ninety two, Chasers ninety oh four, Two for the Money up in two thousand five, The Fall two thousand six. Now is that the fall, the uh Jillian Anderson one that you, you you're a big fan of? Um, the fall is the one that was directed by Tarsum and it's, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like the princess bride or like the never ending story where there's a character that's telling a kid this story. And then the movie that we're watching is kind of their imaginational take on what story they're being told. Right. And I, I think it, I don't think it had... I don't think it had. Would you say Jillian Anderson? Yeah, I thought it was the one with Jillian Anderson. That you know, the is that her name, right? Yeah, the actress from uh, from the X Files. X Files, yeah. No, I don't believe she's in it at all. Um, I think she's in a TV show called The Fall or something like that. That could very well be. Yeah. It has Lee uh, Lee Pace. His name's Lee Pace. Yeah, from Guardians of the Galaxy, Halt and Catch Fire. Uh, yeah, yeah, a few things. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, that's a that's a fantastic movie though, actually. So uh, this uh, Roman J. Israel Esquire, you know Denzel Washington, Colin Farrell, um, 
Ooh, I know there's. I saw some other people in the trailer that I recognize, but I I don't recognize a lot of the names. Um, but what did you think of that one? I mean, it looks like he, he's going to be playing a lawyer. That's kind of. Uh, well, let's see. The description says Denzel Washington stars as Roman Israel, a driven, idealistic defense attorney who, through a tumultuous series of events, finds himself in a in a crisis that leads to extreme action. Yeah. So uh, I actually, well, to give a little, you know, behind the curtains action here for listeners. Uh, so Mitch messaged me earlier and said, "Hey, do you want to talk about, you know, Oscar?" season-ish type uh, movies that have trailers out. And I said, sure. And so then he was kind enough to actually text me a list of uh, trailers. And uh, so this was one I had not heard of. I hadn't heard anything about this. And I went and I watched the trailer a little bit earlier for all of these movies. Some of them I had seen before, but this one I had not. And I got to say, anything that has Denzel Washington in it, I'm there. Like, I think that guy is just absolutely, like, riveting to watch in performances and so anything he does, I'm I'm gonna watch. Like I, it, it could literally be a movie about a guy watching paint dry, <laughs> and it could it could be you know one location, one camera type of film, one shot, and I would I would I would watch that movie with with Denzel in it every single time. And so uh, I watched this trailer, and. Yeah, he basically was like an activist who became a lawyer and then it shows him in the trailer getting fired from his job and he kind of goes into this prison, it looks like, to talk to what appears to be a client and this client gives him information about, uh, I think, a murderer or something and he then takes that information and uses it to turn the guy in so he basically breaks uh, lawyer um, client confidentiality to call law enforcement, turn this guy in, and then get a reward. So it looks like the bulk majority of this movie is going to be him kind of having to potentially survive with the consequences of turning this murderer or gang member or something in. It, he's obviously pretty big time criminal because it kind of makes it seem as if he has connections to the outside world still even though now he's in prison yeah it sounded and like that's kind of what it gives you it sounded like he threatened his daughter as well so or, mm -hmm. yeah denzel washington's daughter or denzel washington's character's daughter so yeah i would say right. uh definitely some type of crime thriller but with a lot of drama in it and you know why not denzel washington is an amazing actor and as you said watch just about anything he does Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's just like whatever you see, like uh, Tom Hanks, you know, I mean, I always feel like he's an incredible performer to watch. And I think he always picks like really interesting parts to to do. And I feel the same way about Denzel. Like I he's just one of those actors that I think most people and I could be taking. Well, I am taking a lot of liberties there, but I, I genuinely believe most people are huge fans of Denzel and his performances. Like I really do not recall meeting someone and be like, you know, them being like, Oh, I'm not a fan of Denzel Washington. Like, I just, I don't think I've ever. Oh no. I, I, heard I'm, someone say that. I'm right there with you. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, at this point and for this point for a very long time, Denzel Washington is a, uh, uh, 
a name for a blockbuster, you know, like when you have yes. his name on the movie, that means that movie's going to make money. Like, even if it's not, it doesn't end up being a good movie. It's still going to end up making money. Right. So, um, yeah, that's, and that's Roman, you know, Roman J Israel Esquire. It's definitely something to keep an eye out for. Uh, one movie that I did see is going to be coming out sometime in January, but we didn't, they don't have a trailer for it yet. It's called the post. Mm-hmm. And I only bring it up because you talked about Tom Hanks and it's called it, the what? The post. The Post. Yeah, okay. It's about uh, Washington Journal or the Washington no. Post. I'm sorry, and and uh, some stories that they they did, and it's based on a true story. And it's Tom Hanks is playing, I believe, the uh, a reporter, and um and and that's the one thing I wanted to bring up is that you know when Oscar season comes around, you're gonna see a lot. We seem to see a lot of the same names over and over again. Like you you know. Around December, there's always going to be a Tom Hanks movie. Around December, January, there's always going to be a, a Denzel Washington movie, it's, or at least it seemed that it's been that way in the last last half dozen years. No, it's true, and I, you know, I think um, I, 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 it's interesting because I, I just was kind of having this thought process earlier about a movie that I watched a couple of days ago with Tom Cruise called American Made, and it was so strange to me because typically. It's the same thing, right? Like whenever May or the summertime comes around, there's almost always a big Tom Clue, Tom Tom Cruise, <laughs> Tom Cruise uh, action movie, or you know some sort of epic movie with Tom Cruise. Usually comes out like a summer blockbuster in May with him, and so I thought it was kind of strange that we were actually getting a Tom Cruise movie that's also based off of a real story that takes place. Um, or, or not takes place, but that got released in September. Well, October, September, October, somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah, yeah that, that and is. I just I thought that was really strange. Yeah, well, I mean, he, obviously, he had the Mummy come out in around the May time, so right. that was his action summer action movie. And I'm guessing that that's they they. I would be interested in in finding out who would. It, do you remember who it was that put out um, American Made? and what other movies they Not might have the coming out this head. Oscar season because like they might have felt that it wasn't strong enough to go up against some of their other stuff and they just wanted to get it out there. I don't know. I I feel like this I don't it's so tough, right? Because so typically for me when I think about an actor winning best performance of the year, for me it it always comes down to who is the most different from their previous body of work, right? That's how I usually look at it. Yeah. And so I have to say, have you seen American Made? I have not. But what did you end up thinking about it? Well, I really enjoyed it, actually. I thought it was a really good movie. And it's very interesting. The content's fascinating. And it was one of the the times, I don't want to say it's the only time, because I don't think I've seen every single movie Tom Cruise has ever made. I bet you have. Probably pretty close. Um, I think I might be missing a few, but... But this is such a different role for him. Like, there's still those, like, cruise-isms that happen, Mm -hmm. but not nearly as much as what you would expect. And the overall character feels very different than Tom Cruise. Like, there was actually a handful or more times that I completely forgot that I was watching Tom Cruise which usually doesn't happen. Usually when I'm watching a Tom Cruise movie, I'm like, I'm watching Tom Cruise and I'm 100% 
fine with that. Like, I'm, that's why I go to watch a Tom Cruise movie mo- for the most part. But like with this, I really felt like it was such a different character for him. And it is based on a true story. It's it's got him and uh, Domel Gleason is is in the movie as well, and he's brilliant as usual. And so I don't know. I I, I don't want to necessarily say that I could see this being a an Oscar winner, but I am kind of fascinated to see if maybe he doesn't get a nomination for this because of the fact well because of the fact that I don't know everything that's getting ready to hit the scene for right. Oscar time frame. Um, I mean, the, I think the first person that I actually heard this year it was really. Uh, a while back, but the first person I heard that was getting Oscar buzz was actually Adam Sandler, which I thought was particularly interesting. <laughs> um, but so far out of everything we've got, which is not much at this point, of course, right. that would be traditional Oscar uh, type films. I could see him maybe picking up a knob for this because it is something very different. It's not, it's not like Shannon Tatum or Steve Carell, Fox catcher different. But it's still fairly substantial for the types of characters we've seen him play. I think the only other time I've seen him be significantly different was when he played Lester in Tropic Thunder. Oh, you mean Les Grossman? Or Les Grossman, yeah, there you go. I mean, I, I really thought his uh what's it, Stacy 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 Kicks, Stacy Nicks in, in Rock of Ages was a different character for him. Uh, yeah, so I haven't seen that. Okay, uh, but I mean, I, and like I said, I haven't seen American Made yet, so I I don't know. But uh, I I am interested in, in in the fact now that the fact that you said that, and from what I understand, I believe like the guy that he's supposed to be playing is like like a three hundred seals is like a uh, yeah like a three hundred fifty pound man. Uh, yeah, at, at the, the time. So I don't, I, the pictures I saw of the real guy online, he was substantially. Uh, he had like a substantial amount of weight on him. So it's, I mean, obviously that's not, that's not a, a part that you need. That's not something that's pertinent to the story. So I mean, it, it doesn't matter, but I assume that he's also younger than what Tom Cruise is. In the, in the real guy. Oh, yeah. I I'm not sure. I don't know how old he was. I remember, I think I remember hearing someone say that he's like, he's a 30 year old man, like or somewhere in his thirties, whereas Tom Cruise is like in his late fifties. So I don't know the pictures I saw of him. He didn't, I mean, uh, people visually look different, but he didn't look like he was 30 uh, in the pictures I saw, but uh, that doesn't mean anything. Fair enough. I might, I might've been getting my, my facts wrong. So Uh, no, you could be right. I mean, there's some people that just do not preserve well, unfortunately, you know, well, I mean, just don't eat enough Twinkies or something. Well, I was going to say also from a person who's been overweight most of his life, you can look much older when you have, when you have a bunch of weight on you. So, well, uh, I was just saying Twinkies because they have preservatives in them, not because <laughs> large people eat Twinkies. Because I know skinny, I know a lot of large people that don't eat Twinkies, and a lot of skinny people that do. <laughs> uh, okay, so American Made. If if that shows up, I I will uh, I will have definitely have to see it before uh, Oscar season. But I'll be surprised. But I'm just saying, as it stands right now, which is obviously the first even remote contender from what's been actually fully released. I think it could if if everything else comes out is not is not as powerful as what we've seen in previous years because I feel like the last couple of years have had some 
really, really good movies that have come out, and it's been some really fierce competition in the past few years, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, next movie was Molly's Game, which is based off a true story. The true story of Molly Bloom, an Olympics Olympic-class skier who ran the world's most exclusive high-stakes poker game and became an FBI target. Starring uh, Jessica Chastain, Idris Elba, Kevin Costner, Michael Sarah, Chris O'Dowd, um, and, and the list goes on. But I think the most important name on this is that it's directed by Aaron Sorkin, his directorial debut, usually known for yep. his writing. Yep. Yeah, so he uh, he actually did do some of the writing for the screenplay obviously obviously but uh, i believe the bulk majority of this story comes out of the actual book that was written by molly bloom right about this uh particular situation and i mean yeah i think anyone who's perhaps been listening to this show for a little while knows that mitch and i are both uh, I don't know what you want to call it, Sorkinites, um, <laughs> Sorkin heads, <laughs> Sorkin heads. Yeah, I mean, like we're both pretty avid fans of Aaron Sorkin and his writing style. So I'm I'm particularly fascinated to see how this plays out with him actually behind you know the um, behind. the director's chair or not behind it but sitting in the director's chair if you was trying to make like some sort of pirate ship steering analogy <laughs> obviously i am not aaron sorkin quality uh uh improv you know improvisational thought processes here but uh I, yeah i don't know what are your thoughts on this so i mean what well, i'm i'm super excited about it I, I like you just stated i am a huge orkin head sorkin head <laughs> uh but I do like, and I think we've talked about this quite extensively on on this podcast. Trailers, trailers making movies out to be something that they're not actually are. And yes. this one, to me, like watching it, it seemed like I could see where they were manipulating me. Like it, it, it they made it seem like it was such a high speed. Uh, crime drama or crime thriller sorry not crime drama but crime thriller where you know uh, the fbi are right around the corner at almost every step when in actuality i feel like this movie is gonna it's gonna be paced a lot slower and there's gonna be and why and you know for an eric and aaron sorkin movie probably gonna be a lot more talking which is fine with me because i like aaron sorkin dialogue but i really feel like the trailer on this one is is manipulating the audience to something that it's not going to be. I hope I am uh, proven wrong when the movie comes out and I'll definitely be there to watch it. But I, I really feel that way. And and you're right. It very well could be the only, the only thing I would maybe kind of try to counter that with would be the fact that uh, Sorkin is kind of known for overwriting the amount of dialogue that most writers would not push in a film. Mm -hmm. uh, so much to the fact that I think there was somebody that asked him something about getting parts in his movie. And he was like, yeah, learn how to talk faster. Uh, so if he applies the same type of mentality to his directing, I don't know. I could actually buy this as a very fast-paced uh, thriller, but but I do agree. It it I have my uh, you know um, shield of of what do you want to call it um, skepticism, oh, okay. uh, armed and and ready to defend myself from movie trailers now because 
it seems like within the last couple of years, like they have just gone off the off the rails with how crazy liberal they are getting with manipulating trailers to look like a totally different movie. Yes. You know, not to go on a side tangent, but like you were telling me about that Bruce Lee movie and um you know, it looks like it's a movie about Bruce Lee, but then you watch it and it's not a movie about Bruce Lee really at all. It's about this like a guy whose girlfriend gets kidnapped and then he eventually ends up kind of enlisting Bruce Lee to go help him. But that's not even talked about in the trailer. Not even a little bit. <laughs> no, it's not, not even not mentioned even... once, I don't think. No, no. Yeah, exactly. So when I when I watched Birth of the Dragon, and I, I, I'm pretty sure we talked about this, but yeah, when I watched Birth of the Dragon, I was like, this is completely different from what is described in the trailer for this movie. Like you're expecting this high action karate kicking movie, uh, which I know that's terrible because it's, it's Kung Fu, but, but anyways, you know, you, you think, you think you really think you're getting one thing, but this is, it's a completely different story in that movie. And, uh, uh I was, I, I, I did enjoy it, but it wasn't what I was sure. expecting. But it just seems like that's been happening more and more. So I don't think there's anything wrong with, with, looking at trailers and and being a little bit leery of what your actual experience is going to be with a film nowadays. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. So that's, that's Molly's game. Um, say I'm definitely excited for it. Now this one, I don't, this next one, it's called blood stripe and it's a, it's described as a drama thriller war movie. It says the trials and tribulations of a female combat veteran in her battle with vigorous PTSD it it looks like it was also shot back in 2016 came it, and it got a USA re, a US release in September 29th of 2017 so i mean it's just barely making it into the season but it looks like it's already won a bunch of uh you know um film festival awards so that's why i brought it up and I, let me see the actress in it uh guessing is chris sullivan no that might be no, that's a guy. It's the guy from uh, uh, what's it called? This is us. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, let's see if I can find the actress. Well, anyways, the the actress. I I don't think I've ever seen her in anything before, which is uh very different. Well, it is. But even um, even the the gentleman who is directing this is traditionally if i'm not mistaken known more as a or a actor and i think this is actually his directorial debut as well i don't think he's directed anything prior to this and i think he i think when i was kind of reading up on it he only had one directorial credit and one writer's credit oh and I, I am right there with you. I don't recall seeing uh, this actress in, in anything else. She didn't look familiar to me at all, which doesn't mean that she wasn't. It just, right. it's nothing that I've seen her in. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting, interesting backstory to the movie, at least, to see this film come out winning all these awards with someone who essentially has a has a long-running background of being more of an actor, than a director and yet here we are and what i mean what did you what did you feel from the trailer like i i felt it, it seemed yeah. like a very powerful movie oh no it it i mean you watch this and you know even if i wasn't you know super into the whole um film thing right or or movie thing or whatever you want to call it this trailer just feels 
epic. I mean, it really feels like an Oscar contender just from the trailer. Mm -hmm. And again, that could be, like we said, a manipulation of what to really expect. But what's there looks great. I mean, it looks like a very powerful movie with a very, uh, well, a very real story. I mean, certainly something that I think a tremendous amount of people more than should be more than we should have can relate to this on a very personal level. Yes. You know, and I think that's definitely what enhances the impactful nature of this trailer and, and also by proxy this movie, as I'm sure it's already, you know, like you said, it's already been winning a bunch of awards. So obviously it's impacting a number of people already. So it's, I think it's definitely going to be one to watch and I think it's going to be one to keep your eye on as well. Now uh, I can't, talk to ptsd myself i don't it's not something that i've ever had to uh experience or you know be in or have in my life in in you know through a relative or anything like that but um some of the movies that i i can think of at the moment just off the top of my head that that have show some experiences of is like deer hunter um uh, stop loss brother Uh, i don't know if you remember that movie with jake gyllenhaal and yeah and toby mcguire but yeah. the scene in this in the trailer where it seemingly looks like there's a party at her house and a friend of hers comes up behind her just to you know grab a hold her and, and say hi or whatever just in a very friendly way but maybe a little bit too uh, too close and in her 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 personal space for something that she's gone through and then she like throws him against the refrigerator and and you know almost choke it seems like it almost chokes him out with her forearm. Uh, it, it to me just like it it gave me such a gut reaction i was like oh that it, it felt so so serious at that moment just for a trailer oh no absolutely and i i think that that's a very it's a very kind of untalked about subject right because here in we're in the u.s for i'm sure everyone who's listening maybe knows that by now um but just in case you don't we're in the u.s and you know mental health is one of those things that we as a culture or as a society country whatever you want to call it have stigmatized you know it's it's not acceptable to have mental problems and it's even less acceptable for soldiers for whatever reason you know it's it's this kind of like, well, just, you know, man up or pick yourself up by the bootstraps and just get your head on straight. And, you know, if you're somebody that deals with anxiety or depression or PTSD, like it isn't that simple. You know, you can't trivialize um, a mental condition. And, you know, when you see this movie and even Brothers, I remember watching Brothers and there was several times where I was actually crying during the movie. And I honestly don't even remember the last time uh, that happened to me before I watched that movie. And, and I don't know that it's really happened to me too much since. But, you know, those are, are real struggles. And I think it's unfortunate that we do trivialize mental health so much here in, in our country and especially for people who uh, go through these situations that we would, you know, not be doing something to try to help them. And I got to say, I think that's the the power of, of filmmaking, right? Is that, you know, you have a platform and you have a voice and you can bring things hopefully into the light that others maybe haven't had. Like you said, I mean, it's it's difficult for us to 
truly empathize with people that are suffering from those things because you and I don't. And, you know, anytime you can have a movie that can kind of give you a brief amount of time, you know, because I mean, an hour, two hours isn't really that long of a time. But anytime you can have that moment that allows you to truly walk in someone else's shoes, I think that's powerful. And I feel like that's what this movie's going to be from the trailer. I, I yeah, couldn't agree with you more on that. So that's uh yeah yeah it's Bloodstripe uh it's in limited release right now if uh, if you're near someplace I couldn't you you can watch it I hope you do and tell us tell us about it uh now both of us are currently living in Arizona so I I, I believe that you would probably remember the story that this next movie is based off Only the Brave uh, with Josh Brolin Jennifer Connelly Jeff Bridges. Uh, Miles Teller, Taylor Kitsch, Andy McDowell, and the list goes on. Uh, directed by Joseph Kosenik. This is the based on the true story of the Granite Mountain Hotshots, a group of elite firefighters risk uh, everything to protect a town from a historic wildfire. Now, uh, Jeff Joseph Kosenik, you you uh, familiar with that name? Uh, no. So director wise, not off the top of my head, anyway. yeah, director wise, not too many credits. Uh, Tron Legacy actually was 2010, uh, his first movie. Oblivion 2013, and uh, looks like he did a short this year that called The Dig. Uh, he's got The Brave, and then in 2019, he's attached to do um, Top Gun Maverick, so the Top Gun uh, sequel. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's a little weird that we're actually getting a Top Gun sequel like this much later. You know what I mean? Like, it just, I, I don't want to say that it's not going to be good or whatever because I enjoy Top Gun just as much as the next person, but it just, it's a little strange that it's like been. It's 30. This... I'm pretty sure it's 30 years. I mean, because that movie had to come out yeah. in, in 1989, right? It had to come out in the 80s. I would imagine. Oh, yeah. It definitely had to have been in the 80s. So, um, 2019, sure. that would definitely be 30 years, uh, if not close to it. So, uh, yeah, I don't exactly know what uh, what that movie is going to entail uh, at this point. But, uh, yeah, I don't know why you'd want to revisit it. I don't know. But, I mean, we'll see. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll actually be really, really good. I don't know. It'll be interesting. So what did you think of uh, Only the Brave or just from the trailer? Well, I mean, I I definitely want to go watch this because you're right. Uh, I do. I do remember hearing a little bit about this when it happened. And I I don't know. It's really devastating, but I, I don't know. I'm trying not to get kind of like super political with this either, because there's a lot of like backstory behind this movie getting made that kind of rubs me the wrong way. Um, oh, I'd love to hear that. I don't know. I don't know the, the backstory to that. If you... well, it's it's not super like riveting or anything. But so this is obviously a story, and I don't. And this is why I kind of don't want to say anything because I don't want to take away from these heroic firefighters' ultimate sacrifice. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they all passed away trying to do their job and to protect people and and all that sort of stuff. But. In terms of the movie, it's really unfortunate because this is a movie about Arizona. It's about an Arizona wildfire that deals with Arizona firefighters who died in Arizona, and yet it's not filmed in Arizona. 
it was filmed in New Mexico ah. because Arizona wants to be silly and not offer tax credits for filmmakers. And we're doing nothing to bring film work, uh, big film work here. And I just think that's super disheartening. And I don't want to say that it's an injustice to their story. Cause I don't think that's true. I think the injustice to their story is not telling their story. So I think it's absolutely wonderful that it got made and that it's getting distributed. But I just think we need to do a better job of like, because if any movie should have been filmed here, I feel like it should be this. You know what I mean? But and you know what's ridiculous is that I mean, right now the hot like the 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 place to be filming things isn't is Atlanta, so you know yeah. Georgia, and I I really feel like Arizona, and I I, I have no real inside to talking about this uh, you know and obviously you are involved more in that side of the of show business than i ever have or ever will be but uh well that's not true the, the arizona like literally for climate and uh uh environment wise can have both your hottest and coldest temperatures of any given day so like if you need a place where it snows, you can go to northern Cal- or northern Arizona. If you need a place where it's super hot and you see desert, you can do southern Arizona. You can do, you know, all everything in between in Arizona. So why wouldn't we make it more um, favorable for productions to come here? No, we we should. You know, I mean, like it's it's that. And then the other thing that gets me too is anytime I watch a movie. And you get to the end of it and it's thanking the city that made it. And then it says something to the effect of, you know, this film created thousands of hours of work for, you know, 15 to 20,000 jobs. And you're like, that's 15 to 20,000 jobs that we could have in Arizona that someone could have Mm -hmm. and be making a, a, a wage off of to support their family, to go back into our local economy, to help our, you know, uh, our state and our communities and all these things. And we just, for whatever reason, don't want to do it. And I think if anything, you know, I, I think there was an argument that it just wasn't profitable for, you know, or that it wasn't bringing enough money back. But I would argue that there is no way that that could be true when you have all of these other states that are now popping up and starting to offer uh, better and better incentives for filmmakers to come to their state and film. So, I mean, like there definitely has to be a motivation that's beneficial to the states to allow that to happen. And for whatever reason, we're just turning a blind eye to it. And I think it's, it's I think it's unfortunate. And uh, I think it's, you know, and again, I'm not, I, 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 I'm trying not to talk about this because I really didn't want to like detract from, the movie these firefighters story because i think that's the most important thing is that their story gets told and i'm glad that it is and it certainly feels like again it's going to be an academy award worthy movie um and and you know it has an incredible cast as well i mean it has a very strong cast and uh i think this movie is going to be a really great movie to watch okay so bringing it back to that then uh, the the cast obviously you with this large cast it's going to be a very much an ensemble uh, story where we're gonna see multiple stories or storylines and character stories that uh, are gonna intertwine as this as I assume the f- the film is gonna culminate towards the fire um, st- stuff like uh, Lone Survivor which I believe has some kind of connection to this movie maybe the same producers um, okay. 
how do you how do you usually feel about movies like that where you you know you're following multiple storylines uh i think perfect storm is kind of the same way you know Mm -hmm. you know coming to coming together like that well i mean it's difficult you know anytime that you do that because i mean it was one of the conversations we had about the defenders and you know it was one of the the parts of the conversation at least was that it's difficult to really give each of the characters enough screen time and I feel like when you're talking about a true event involving people, it gets even more challenging because you don't want to um, you don't want to leave anyone out, and you certainly don't want to do a disservice to any one particular person that actually exists in real life. Right, right, and especially someone who passed away from very unfortunate circumstances while while trying to protect other people and, you know, things like that. So I think it becomes a very, very thin line to walk. And I think the filmmakers have a remarkably hard uh, road to walk in front of them in order to do the story justice, to do all of these people justice and to, to their legacy of these people as well. I, I, I just, it's going to be very difficult, but hopefully they can pull it off, you know? Uh, yeah, I, I would have to say, though, I, I guess I'm not excited about seeing this movie. Okay. Do uh, you have a particular reason, like, what was it about it that kind of is turning you off to Well, it? Besides the fact that you're not a big fan of Josh Brolin. <laughs> that is number one, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, I just, I really feel like it's too soon since the tragedy. And I feel like okay. that's not, I mean, and, and you, there's other movies that are doing the exact same thing. I mean, Stronger, which is Jake Gyllenhaal's movie about the gentleman the who Boston lost his bombing, leg right? in the Boston Marathon bombing, you know, uh, which we just had, uh, what Mark Wahlberg just did a movie about that too, as well, uh, Patriot's Day. And yeah. I just feel like you need more time in between events like this before you put the movie out. Uh, now I'll give you that 13 hours. I, I enjoyed immensely. I thought that was a great movie. Uh, but obviously really soon after that terrible event. So, sure. uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll, maybe I will end up enjoying the movie. I just, I just feel like it, they, they should have waited. They should have waited longer. I think there's like at least a 10 year moratorium on, on things like this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it very well could be, it could be too soon for a lot of people as well. I mean, there could be a lot of people that uh, were impacted by, by this tragedy. And, and, you know, I, I, it, like I said, it's a very difficult situation and, you know, hopefully if they are telling their story, it's for the right reasons and not, you know, a horrible money grab, you know what I mean? Cause that's certainly not the appropriate thing to be doing. Um, but yeah, I, I, we're definitely going to have to wait and see what happens and how it plays out for the movie. Okay. Uh, that's only the brave going out here pretty soon. Now the next movie I put on here was Blade Runner 2049. Now I normally wouldn't put a sci-fi genre movie on the list for Oscar grabs. However, Mm -hmm. it's directed by Denny Villeneuve and he had the arrival last year which you know had an oscar nomination do you think yeah. that is possible for this uh for blade runner 2049 
Uh, I do. I absolutely do. Um, it's like you said. I mean, again, it has a it has a very um, all star cast. I mean, it has uh, Ryan Gosling, who was also just uh, recently nominated for La La Land, mm-hmm. you know, last year, and uh, so he certainly has the star power. Harrison Ford's back, and I mean, this has been kind of one of those uh, films that I think a lot of people are are. are worried about and in one regard right they're they're worried that this is going to do uh an injustice to blade runner as a as a movie and that it in some way might detract from the original which is uh, arguably now become kind of notarized as a uh, masterpiece uh which there is some mixed perceptions of whether it was or not when it first came out and i think it's I think it's gone on to kind of stand the test of time and become one of those um, science fiction films that that really helped define what science fiction movies could be and that they could be more than just these kind of silly concepts that are executed uh, poorly, so to speak. Because there's a lot of that, right? Like anytime that we, we kind of talk about horror or sci-fi, I feel like there's... Um, kind of this they're kind of like a sub no i don't want to say a club they're kind of like second class citizens in in film to a certain degree and and sci-fi less right but there's still a lot of really cheesy really crappy science fiction and what's that i said oh yes i was agreeing with you yeah and so you know i think it's kind of like even even like what you were saying right when we look at the Academy Awards and things like that, it's not usual for a science fiction movie to win. It's not usual for an action movie to win. Um, I think the only horror movie that's ever actually won was like Silence of the Lambs, which they then turned around and pioneered a whole new genre saying that it was psychological thriller, you know. Did, um, did but the at the heart of it, it's a drama. Did The Exorcist not win something? Um, maybe it did, but I, I'm not saying there's only been one. I'm just saying like right, it's right, super, right. super uncommon. S- super rare. It was the same thing even with uh, Gladiator. Like they uh, categorized that as an action movie and it won. And they were like, that was the first action movie to ever win an Academy Award for Best Picture. But when you really look at it, it it has action elements. But that movie to me is still more of a drama than an action movie. You know what I mean? Yes. No, I agree. And so it kind of with, with Blade Runner, I feel like it could very well be a contender for a lot of different things. It could be up for uh, potentially the score. Um, I think they brought in, uh, what was it? Hans Zimmer um, to, to do part of the score or to come in and rescore it or something like that, I think happened to the movie. And uh, yeah, with Denny behind the, director's chair god i keep saying that and that's not the right uh, terminology but with him helming the project as the director and coming off of the success of of you know everything that he accomplished last year with his uh with the arrival i i i you know he he very well could get some nominations for this and i mean some of the early uh feedback that's been coming out about this movie has is already kind of heralding it as a as a new age masterpiece uh, which I feel, you know, that's a little bold to potentially say. And I, I, I think that's maybe dangerous as well because we don't, you know, we certainly don't want to overhype the movie. We, I think at this point the best thing to do is kind of keep 
perspection or not uh, perspections, but um, perceptions and and preconceived expectations to a minimum, uh, and to go in and experience and let it be what it's going to be. But I I do believe we could see this um, in the uh, Academy Awards and and some of the categories. Yeah, uh, I mean, what about you? I, I honestly like. And I'll I'll get I'll, I might get hate for this, but I, I've never been a real big fan of, the, of Blade Runner, the first the original movie. Um, mm-hmm. But this director, I love him. I, I love every movie I've seen from him so far, and I, I will be there to watch this one opening weekend, which is this weekend. So uh, it's tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, which I just you know is awesome. Uh, so I would definitely go see this now. Uh, something that you said a second ago or a few minutes ago, but do you think Get Out from earlier this year will have any nominations? Now, that's a horror movie. Uh, was that this year? Yeah, that was this year, I believe. I thought it was last year. No, I think that was February was this year. This year. Oh, you might be right. So, uh, I mean, I know I understand it, that's, that's all the way at the beginning of the year, and most of the time... You know, uh, apparently the Academy just has uh, a short memory or what have you, but could that make it in there? Well, you know, um, whether it could or not, I'm not sure, but whether it should, yeah, it absolutely should. Uh, that was an incredible movie. It, uh, it, Like you said, it very much came out of nowhere, and I think it caught a lot of people off guard. I think, I, I mean, I would agree with you that it's a horror film, but I think they would take the same approach they did with Science of the Lambs. They would call it a psychological thriller. Mm. I don't think they would throw around uh, the horror film genre for that in, in trying to kind of fluff up you know their presentation for the academy but to be fair when it was breaking box office records and stuff they were saying that it was like the highest or highest grossing uh horror film if i recall correctly so you know it's just one of those things like you can go either way with it and you know you're going to utilize whatever monarchy um suits what you're trying to accomplish and you know i think if they're smart and they really do want to do some campaigning for an Academy Award, uh, I think that's probably what they would do is they would start pushing it more and more as a psychological uh, thriller and less of a, of a horror film. But yeah, I think it absolutely does. It's, it's, a, it's a very relevant film. It's, it has a lot of uh, social commentary that is, that is disturbingly accurate to what is happening in our, our world and our society today. And the performances are incredible. I mean, the, the acting is breathtaking i mean there's a lot of really disturbing heart-wrenching scenes and you know it it i think it was just absolutely incredible and and i forgot that it came out this year so apparently i am one of those academy people with a short-term memory (laughs) so to speak but uh but i i do think we should see it in the running absolutely what about you uh i i definitely think so i I, if if for the the very least original screenplay. I mean, Jordan Peele did an amazing job with that movie. Uh, why he shouldn't yeah, get all and, the uh, recognition is is beyond me. And I I, uh, I forget the uh, actor's name because he was kind of a little unknown to me. But uh, the the main um, protagonist in that, like that guy's performance was amazing. Yes. So I yes, mean, and, and and you know, kind of like what we were saying with earlier, like we really haven't seen a lot of the the true Oscar contenders because we're at the cusp of them getting ready to come out. But 
I definitely think that's one of the strongest performances I've seen so far this year, uh, which is even a little bit more tragic that I kind of forgot that it was this year, but there's already been a lot of movies and, um, you know, it's hard to keep track of them sometimes, but I, I agree with you. I think it should be in there for sure. Uh, okay. That was, um, Oh, I don't even remember what the name of the movie was. The Brave? The, uh, oh, only the Brave. The Brave no. ones? No. Only the Brave. There you go. That, no, I think we, we moved on to a different movie, didn't we? Did we? I don't remember. No, no I yeah. We, we were talking about Blade did Runner. We? Blade Runner 2049. Oh, we were. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. <laughs> so, right. See? We, it was a short Oscar memory. <laughs> memory. Uh, all the Money in the World. True story. The story of the kidnapping of 16-year-old John Paul Getty III, played by, played by Charlie Palmer, and the desperate... Attempt by his beloved mother, Gail, played by Michelle Williams, to convince his billionaire grandfather, Kevin Spacey, to pay the ransom. Directed by Ridley Scott. So, talking about Blade Runner 2049, uh, we're going into a movie by the director of the original, um, Ridley Scott. Obviously not... I mean, not that Ridley Scott only makes um, sci-fi movies or, uh, you know, horror movies because of alien but you know uh, he's, he's right. done other things what do you think of this movie well so this is uh this is a little strange because i actually i just recently saw this in the uh in the theater when i was i was watching maybe it was for american made actually um and you know it's 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 rare that you watch an entire trailer and you're like eh, no, this movie doesn't look good um but what sold me on it was the very last moment of this trailer or one of the very last moments of this trailer, which is Kevin Spacey and he's in um, prosthetic makeup and he's standing there with all these news reporters around and they are like, how much? So they're like, you're not going to pay, I don't know, whatever it was like $6 million to get your grandson out. How much would you pay? And then this, this is his, this is his line absolutely nothing and then he turns and walks away and it is just like in that moment that one moment sold me on this movie and on this trailer because it was just unbelievably jarring and like it sh it sent like uh shivers up my spines uh spines yeah i have multiple uh, up my <laughs> spine because it was just it was just so disheartening and so cold, but also, I don't know, just, it, it, I don't know. It was just really powerful moment. Um, and that, that one whole moment sold me on the movie because the rest of it, I was not really even that interested in. Like I, I like Mark Wahlberg as an actor. I like Michelle Williams, but for something there was, I was just not connecting with him in this trailer. And that very last moment just totally hooked me on this, on watching this movie. And I, and I really, really am excited to see it now. What about you? Uh, same. Actually, I, I, it's funny that you brought that up because yeah, I was not really interested in this movie. It's the trailer played on, but then when you get to Kevin Spacey as uh, Jean Paul Getty, um, I was like, okay, this has kind of turned it around on me. I say I, I'm not as excited as it sounds like you are at still, but um, with Mark Wahlberg, Michelle Williams, Kevin Spacey, Timothy Hutton, it's definitely a going to be a, uh, a, a, a somewhat well-acted movie. One of my problems with Michelle Williams, and I know she's uh, an incredible actress, and she has proven herself 
over and over again. Not that she needs to prove herself to me, but I guess every time I still see her, I still see her as uh, the act, the the character in Dawson's Creek because that's the first time I ever, I ever remember seeing her. And it, it for some reason I just can't get past that. Like I, I don't I really don't think I can get past that with any of the other actors that were in that show. But and she's obviously the one that's done the best for herself since. But uh, yeah, I just don't. I, I, it's hard for me to 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 watch her do things, do other things. No, and I, I mean I think that makes sense, right? Um, it's difficult for any actor to really overcome that when they become so kind of iconic as a character uh it it does it can take you out of a movie you know and i think it's interesting because like with daniel ratcliffe certainly would be combating that you know he's also a great actor but i'm sure there are a lot of people that cannot watch him in movies with and take him as that character because of harry potter you yeah. know what I mean? So like it is a it is a thing and and um I I I get exactly what you're saying and I think it makes complete sense. I am fortunate enough that I don't ever recall watching enough Dawson's Creek that that would be the problem for me, but <laughs> I could totally understand why it would be. It would be with James uh was his name James Vanderbeek, right? Right. I I yeah, I I think it was what Friday Night Lights that he did. No, he it, did yeah, Varsity Blues. Or, Varsity Blues, there you go. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, I I just, yeah, it's like you're Dawson. I, you know, and it sucks to, to, to have that, but it's one of those things where it's like it's just those characters are forever ingrained in our brains, and it makes it very difficult to break out of that, that situation. Yeah, exactly. And, and it looks like Michelle Williams is definitely, you know, making bold choices, at least from the trailer. Uh, you can you can see that she's yeah. putting on an accent and she's uh, you know really throwing herself in there. Not that she doesn't normally, uh, as you see in her other films. I I, I know uh, I I can't think of anything recently other than Manchester by the Sea, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, I I I hope the movie does well. It comes out December eighth, um, and you know we'll have to see. We'll have to see on that one. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Last Flag Flying. Now, this really caught my eye because of the the cast. Um, Brian Cranston, Steve Steve Carell, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, all playing very much older uh, Vietnam vets uh, as they reunite to... Let's see, 30 years after they served together in Vietnam, a former Navy corpsman, Larry Doc Shepard, reunites with his old buddies, former Marines... Uh, Sal Nealon and Reverend Richard Muller to bury his son, a young Marine killed in the Iraq War. Directed and written by Richard Linklater, which, you know, I saw, when I saw that part of the trailer, I was I was floored. Like, I, I think of Richard Linklater, I think of uh, Days and Confused, Everybody Wants Some. Um, I, I know he's had other movies like, you know, Boyhood, and uh, he did he did the Before Midnight movies, right? Yeah, so before sunrise, before sunset, and then before midnight. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, uh, I I I know he he does you know the more serious stuff, but uh, I will always think of him as uh, as dazed and confused. So, um, seeing that he was he's the writer director on this, I, I was like I, I'm kind of sold already. <laughs> um. Okay. 
Well, I mean, I had the complete opposite reaction wow. to seeing his name pop up because, unfortunately, I hated Boyhood. Uh-huh. I thought it was complete crap. <laughs> and I just like the fact that, and 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 this is uh, like I'm I'm gonna sound like such an asshole for saying this, but like. I really was baffled as to how that movie got nominated, how that movie had so much hype and buzz around it, because it's literally a movie that they filmed, which I get the gimmick, right? The gimmick is that he filmed this movie over the course of like 12 years. Um, But there's a reason we don't make movies that way, because we don't have to. We don't need to take 12 years to make a movie. And it didn't do anything to showcase a real cinematic need for that to be done. And the worst part about it was is that there's absolutely nothing that happens in the movie. Nothing. <laughs> like, you get to the end of the movie and you're like, okay, well, like, I, every time I talk about that movie, I feel like the Mezian line of dialogue comes from Robin Wright when the, the boy's talking to her or whatever, and she's kind of distraught, and it's toward the end of the movie, and she turns and she looks at him and she's like, you know, I thought there'd be more. And I'm like, yeah, me too. I did too. I did too. So when I saw that this was, uh, you know, because I think it's, if I recall correctly, I think it's a pretty good little ways into the into the trailer before they reveal that this was written and directed by Richard Linklater. Yes. But like, as I'm watching the trailer, I'm like, this looks amazing. Like Brian Cranston's awesome. Steve Carell, especially. I mean, like he's great in comedy, but in like he is fantastic to watch in dramatic films and dramatic roles as well. And uh, even Lawrence Fishburne, again, going back to The Matrix, like I have uh, a affinity for Lawrence Fishburne because I was such a huge fan of The Matrix back when it came out in like 98 or whatever it was, 97, 98, somewhere in that ballpark. And, um, you know, I've always kind of had like a, a soft spot for everyone that was in those movies because I loved The Matrix so much. Um so when I see all these people, I'm like, yes, I'm one, I'm 100 in. I'm sold. I'll I'll throw money at the screen. Like, let's get me into this movie now. And then I saw his name came up, and and unfortunately, because of Boyhood, I had kind of that that Call of Duty moment where I was like, oh, like <laughs> this game looks so good. And then they were like, the new Call of Duty, and I was like, oh, oh, no. Why? And that's not fair. I know that that's not fair. I know that's <laughs> not right. And I'm still like, even though I'm saying all that, I'm I'm still sold on this movie. I'm going to go watch it. Um, I really do think it is going to be an incredible film. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I got to say, I'm really excited for this movie, which is something I didn't think I, I would say after I saw his name. But it's so hard to take away from everything else that's in this movie. And I don't even think it's fair to do that to him because he does have other movies that are that are good. You know, I mean, I don't like obviously I like Days and Confuse. Um, I think I've seen some of the before Sunrise and Sunset and they're not, you know, they're not like bad movies or anything. Um, not necessarily my my typical type of film that I watch, but nevertheless, I, I, I think they're good movies. I mean, speak of a movie, you know, boyhood is, is one movie that's shot over 12 years. I mean, the, the before sunrise or before sunset, before midnight, you know, trilogy is kind of like one movie shot over two decades. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I think the, uh, I think the first one was in, the mid 90s yeah like maybe 96 no, oh that earlier okay i think so i might be wrong 
I think it was like that, and then I think uh, I think the other one was like 2004, and then I think 2014, 2012. Yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt it. Um, I, that ballpark, I could, yeah, I could probably like, let's see. Before sunrise, 1995. Uh, oh damn it! Before sunset, 2004, so and before midnight, 2013. So uh, it looks like nine years apart for each one. I should go on the prices right holy crap but only <laughs> if it was like in conjunction with like movie release dates apparently <laughs> i don't know I'm if the price is right i don't know but it was released in 1993 <laughs> <laughs> now but with this movie it's it's i think is a very a very interesting concept because it is a father who himself was in the military service and they yep. are having to bury his son who died during military service but they don't yep. want to bury him at Arlington uh, like he, his right to do is. So they, they kind of, it's the trailer makes you kind of believe that they're hijacking the body to take it away. Right. Right. Which I think again, comes back to, is that really how the story is going to play out or is that a marketing hook? Yeah. That's, that, that was, that's where I was a little skeptical as well. Uh, I feel like it might be a marketing hook to to make it seem like they're hijacking it, but I and I think in the actual movie it will probably not play out exactly like that. Yeah, I kind of I kind of think that that's what they're going for. Also, so uh, that one is out November third. Uh, I think I uh, yeah I would definitely be there to watch it. I, I I know that I get a lot of crap for not being a fan of Breaking Bad, but I am a huge fan of Brian Cranston, so. Uh, I I will definitely be here, be be there for that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Last, I think he's an amazing actor. <laughs> last movie I want to talk about is uh, Darkest Hour, and this is Gary Oldman doing what he does best, being a chameleon. Like the man is never the same in any movie that he does. He it, there are some I will give you. There are some movies that it seems like he's just phoning it in, but most of the time. I, I feel like he is a, a true, like, true actor's actor, you know, if I could put it that way. He's playing uh, Prime Minister Winston Churchill. During the early days of World War II, the fate of Western Europe hangs on the newly appointed British Prime Minister Winston Churchill, who must decide whether to negotiate with Hitler or fight on against incredible odds. Directed by Joe Wright, um, I believe... Okay, that's not the the person I thought it was. Uh, he did uh, Hannah. He did Hannah, and I think he also did Pride and Prejudice. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks like he did an, uh, one episode of Black Black Mirror, which was Nosedive. Oh, really? Yeah, he did Nosedive, uh, season three, episode one, which is uh, mm-hmm. a really, uh, I think, um, widely praised episode. So uh, mm. that's awesome. Oh, that is act- awesome. That's a show I need to finish, actually. I, I don't think I've actually got all the way through those. <laughs> Other actors in the movie, uh, Lily James, um, Ben Mendelsohn, Mendelsohn uh, you know, just ke- just coming off of Rogue One. Um, Kristen mm-hmm. Scott Thomas and uh, a bunch of other people. But uh, Gary Oldman, that, literally, I love, I love everything Gary Oldman. So I, I, I will... I will definitely be there to see this. I think Winston Churchill is such a such an interesting historic icon. Uh, listening to his speeches in recordings um, is is 
something that is it's, it's something that everybody should do at some point in their life because it's inspirational, it's motivating, it's uh, powerful, and, and all coming from a time when things were super bleak uh, for for the the country of England. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, he also established his own size of cigar. <laughs> I did not know that the Churchill. Yeah, was, yeah well, that's yep. interesting. Yep. So uh, that is a uh, that is a long smoke too. If you, if you smoke them right, you get a lot of time out of out of that size of cigar. Let me tell you. Uh, fair enough. I mean, if you look at if you take a look at the poster for it, he's sitting there just he's smoking a cigar. It's right there. He is. Yeah. He he was like obsessed with them, and I I think he he smoked just constantly. Um, huge, you know, uh, av- or, uh, aficionado of uh, the cigar cigars oh, so to speak look at that lily james I, I i i was watching that trailer i was like that that that, that uh, actress looks so familiar just clicking on her uh her imdb right now she was in baby driver she was the the love interest she was deborah oh so that's why who's she playing this she plays in this elizabeth layton and if i was a better person who knew uh about history and <laughs> things of that sort I would know who Elizabeth Layton is in relation to Winston Churchill, but I don't. So yeah, I don't know who that is either. <laughs> fortunately, uh, what did you think of this trailer? Like I, like I said, I, I, I am there. I can't wait to to watch this movie. But what did you think? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I love, um, I love Gary Oldman. I, I think the first thing that I really ever remember him standing out to me uh was zerg in, uh, the fifth <laughs> element yes and i just thought he was so captivating to to watch in that movie and then of course uh going forward he's just done more and more and more really amazing performances and picked some incredible films to be in and you're right. Like for the most part, he is one of those actors that is kind of like Daniel Day Lewis, right? Like where you're not accustomed to really seeing them do the same thing over and over again. There is a few, like you said, um, exceptions. Robocop uh, to that, of course. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Robocop, but um, but yeah, I, I I think he's a wonderful actor and. Uh, I, I don't know a whole lot about Winston Churchill either. I I've obviously have some limited knowledge of, of him and the trailer though, when you're watching it, there is a couple of moments where he gets into kind of those, I don't want to say they're really speeches, but he has a few kind of what would appear to be a monologue in the movie or, you know, something to that effect. And they're very powerful. You know, he, he has just such a commanding presence as this character he obviously looks like he's wearing prosthetics and visually looks completely different than how Gary Oldman normally looks in films. And yeah, I, I definitely want to watch this film and, and I think it's going to be a wonderful movie and I would not be at all surprised to see him get nominated for an Oscar for it either. Now that, that baffles me is that I believe Gary Oldman doesn't have an Oscar yet. Am I right? I don't think he does either. Uh, and I feel like he's had to have had. Oh, see, it looks like he was nominated in 2012 for Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which makes absolute sense. Um, I still haven't watched that yet. <laughs> well, you need to get on it. 
So I do. I've wanted to watch it. I just I don't know why I haven't. I feel like a horrible person actually. But other than that, I don't I don't see any any Academy Award nominations. I don't think he has one. He doesn't, and he doesn't have any. Uh, he doesn't have any wins, and he doesn't really have any other nominations. So that off also baffles me. Uh, yeah, it's just like uh, it's just like Roger Deakins. I don't understand how he doesn't have any. I mean, the dude's like an amazing cinematographer, and nothing yet. That's that's incredible. So yeah, uh, we need to get. I I hope I I hope that it this this gets him that nomination or that gets him another nomination. Also gets him a uh, actual win. That would be incredible because uh, he's he's someone that deserves it. And then you know what? Let's just top it off with a, a hosting of Saturday Night Live. You know why not? <laughs> Has he never hosted SNL? I'm gonna say he hasn't. Oh, you're probably right. I don't. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen him on there. Yeah, I don't think I have either. And his filmography, just acting wise, let's see. It, it says 92 credits to his name, and jeez, that's that's incredible. I mean, he's the bad guy in in Air Force One. He's Dracula in Bram Stoker's. He's uh, Zorg, as you put in in Fifth Element. Yes. He's 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 uh, uh, what is it in um. True romance. He's Drex, Drexel. Uh, you know, completely reggae out uh, drug dealer. It's like, are you are you kidding me? This man doesn't have an Oscar yet. Ugh. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, okay. Uh, those. That's that's only a, a minuscule amount of the movies coming out this Oscar season. Uh, and we're, I'm really just shooting from the hip and taking wide speculation on what I think might get some Oscar play. It, it, it really could go any, any way as I've seen in the past. I'm sure by the time the Oscars come out, uh, well, the nominations first and then eventually the Oscar actually, uh, Oscar night actually happens. We will talk about the, those nominations and the, and the wins and the, the losses on this podcast as we did last year. Uh, try I'll try once again to see as many of those movies I can. Uh, I assume you're the same, Richard. Yes, absolutely. And uh, we will do our best to report them back to you, or you know, at least give our two cents. But is there a movie that you really think that should be on the Oscar list, or at least the Academy should be looking at that came out this year, or you you feel is going to be coming out this year? Uh, we'd like to hear from it. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I wasn't talking to you. Asking, I, you I, was, I was like, I am asking you, Richard. <laughs> Richard, what what do you think should be on the list that the the Academy should be looking at? Uh, well, I haven't seen it yet, so take this with a grain of salt. But uh, the Shape of Water, Guillermo del Toro's new movie. I I saw. I fell in love with this movie instantly from the trailer, and it's one of the few times that I've seen a trailer and I'm like, this is the type of movie that I would want to make. Like there is just something so, and and I don't, like I said, the movie could, could go completely south on me here once it's actually released. I don't think that's going to be the case though, but from the trailer alone, this just looks like such a powerful movie with a really unique and cool concept. It has amazing performers and amazing cast. And you know, a lot of his films, for whatever reason, really just resonate with me. Uh, 
and well, and obviously his other fans. But I I definitely think this could be a movie that that should be on the radar. Uh, and that's with me just going off of the trailer. So like I said, you know, that's not exactly a, a definitive or, or authoritative take <sighs> on it since I haven't seen it. But the trailer impacted me that much. And uh, it's a trailer that I I share with everyone that I can. I tell as many people as possible about this movie because I'm just genuinely um, excited beyond all belief to see this movie and i hope it lives up to the hype that i am uh, building in my in my mind about it uh, which could be a very dangerous road to walk indeed <laughs> but i think it's gonna do it yeah what about you though no you i think uh, well i i also thought shape of water looks amazing and uh the only reason why i think i didn't bring it up is because once again it's a genre film uh, yes and as we said the Academy does not show favor to that. I imagine exactly. if anything, it will get a uh, best makeup or best uh, production design because it looks so, it looks so beautiful. And it really does. And I, I can only imagine with uh, his record for like uh, going all the way back to, to blade two, um, you know, or pan's labyrinth or, uh, I don't know what else is something that he did. Uh, the Hellboy movies, you know, the costuming yeah. and the makeup on those on those movies are are, are phenomenal. I can only imagine with the, something that something like this that he's in, is not adapting from something else. It, it could just be beautiful too. So, uh, I maybe I, it'll again for best original screenplay. There you go. Hey, I, I'm I, I I'm all for it. Um, other, otherwise, I, I don't know uh, for anything else in particular. I, I think it's it's wide open to me right now what uh, it could be. And honestly, I, I'm never good at, at making these those type of predictions. So I, I wouldn't even want to venture at this point. Like once once the Academy narrows it down for me, then I think I'll, I'll be better equipped. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I, I'm right there with you. However, as I was saying, listeners, if you want to tell us what you think, uh, you can get a hold of me on Twitter as at agent underscore of the underscore bat. Uh, Richard's also on Twitter as at Rye Cohen, R-I-C-O-W-N. The rest of Geek Elite Radio is at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter, at Geek Elite Radio on Instagram, and Facebook.com backslash Geek Elite Radio. Uh, check out our website, geekeliteradio.com, for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the geek elite radio network as well as new articles that we're writing and and a bunch of new exciting things that we're we're trying out over there are uh, you gonna twitch stream soon mitch you know i keep threatening that i will and i i just i just don't there's just not enough time there's not a t- enough time in the week for me to do it uh i hear you i Now's would the time though man get those those spooky you know those spoofy horror games in right now in October, man. You're right. You're you're absolutely right. So uh, we'll see. Maybe, maybe uh, Halloween night, I, I might have a, a a horror game. I I believe I said that last time that uh, I'll do because uh, I I did it last year and I feel like it'd be a nice tradition to to keep going. But we'll have to we'll have to see. I'll need to get all that set up and and ready to go before we can. Um, anything else that you want to plug? uh no not right now i think that's i think that's pretty good well i mean obviously people should check out uh richard's twitch stream when he goes on oh, well, yeah, that's sundays true. I do that too uh <laughs> it's also r-i-c-o-w-n-1 right 
Yes, twitch.tv slash Rykoen1. Just the number. Yep. So if uh have any anything like that you want to get off your chest and, and, and shoot towards us, we'd love to hear it. But until then, this is the Mitch and Rich Show on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying always remember to geek out. Geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.